0: Ohio State fans, hello and welcome to the first episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. If you're confused a little bit where Dave or Dan or Bill or any of the guys are or why this is airing, if you're watching live in in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday, we're trying something new. I wanted to do a little bit of a different podcast. I've been thinking about this for a while, kind of spent the offseason pondering how we wanted to do it, and I wanted to do something a bit more lengthy. Where we could chat a little bit more about what happens each week in Buckeye football and, and probably carry this on if it works well into Buckeye basketball. And I, I thought that there needed to be something different about it. So we're doing it a little bit different. As you can see here, we're calling it Bucknuts Happy Hour. Normally we'll do this towards the end of the week. We'll try and do it towards the end of the workday. So if people want to kick back and grab a beverage, or or when they listen to it towards the end of the week, they can grab a beverage and enjoy it. My thought is one of my favorite things to do: have a beer with some buddies, talk about sports. Why not do that with you guys? I know everyone loves to talk Buckeyes. Who who tunes into all of our great BM Five shows. So uh, yeah, if you if you're if you're done with work for the day, it may be a little bit early this week. We've 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 just. Timed it a little bit differently, but um, if, if you can and you want to grab a beverage, feel free. I've got a uh, Bell's Two Hearted here that I will sip on in our Paramount Plus, which is part of our uh, CBS network of, uh, of streaming services, which will be a part of the new Big Ten package. So I'm doing a little marketing there, but this is the first episode and we're going to kind of see how it goes. I have some ideas for how I want to do things. For future episodes, as we get into the season here, we'll probably try and have some guests on, people who cover the opposing team. I've already got someone lined up, hopefully for uh, Notre Dame next week, and and, and that should be fun. But really what I want this to be is I'll come with some ideas on things I want to talk about, kind of recapping each week, maybe the game before a little bit, dive into next week's opponent. But I want you guys to to comment and, uh, you know, you can kind of drive the conversation, just like we're all sitting around at a happy hour talking about the Buckeyes. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, if you're tuning in live, I'd love you to be a part of it and kind of drive the conversation. But uh, today, like I said, we're going to start with with kind of recapping what's happened this offseason. I know a lot of people have uh, have paid a lot of attention, Ohio State fans, the Bucknuts community is great at keeping up with what's going on. So some of it may be stuff you already know. I'm going to give kind of my thoughts on, on the offense and, and players that I think maybe we haven't talked about quite enough. Um, we'll move to the defense and, and what I'm surprised about, about what we've heard about the defense. And we'll look ahead to uh, to this upcoming season. Dave Biddle did a, uh, a piece that's on our site this week that ranked Ohio State's 2022 opponents. We'll kind of go through that. I'll give some of my thoughts. You guys can give your thoughts as well. And and just kind of go from there. Um, this one may be a little bit shorter, just because we don't have a guest. There were a couple people I reached out to that were just unable to do it this week. Um, you know, some some guys who know a thing or two about what's going on over at, at the Woody. But we'll get we'll get guys on. I don't want to spoil that because we'll try and have people on throughout the throughout the year. So that's kind of my idea. Uh, I posted on the front row on, on Bucknuts today. If you have ideas for this show, feel free to post them on there. Like I said, I want this to be not just about me not just about Bucknuts, Nuts and, and we may have Steve or Dave hosted at times, but I want you guys to kind of help drive this and, and let's make it fun. Let's make this a little bit different and let's kind of enjoy it as we go through the season and, and see where it goes. And, and it may change, things may change, but uh, you know, we're, we're going to enjoy it. So cheers and, and let's get it going. So, as I said, it's been a, a crazy off season for the Buckeyes. Obviously everyone knows where Ohio state ended last year. If you've paid attention to the team, obviously there's been a lot of changes. If you've paid attention to this Ohio State beat, there's been a lot of changes. People move in sites, uh, you know, new sites popping up. There's There's been some drama, as, as those that have paid attention know. I would like to point out that Bucknuts continues to be consistent. I was the last new hire at Bucknuts, uh, the last full-time hire at least. Mark Porter's done a great job contributing with us, and, and there have been some other part-time people that have helped out from, from time to time. but. We've been super consistent. We're really proud of what we do. We hope you guys are too. And, you know, that's nothing against the new sites and, and the sites that have, have changed. Things happen, and, and we understand that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, a busy, busy off season for, for everyone involved. Uh, on the Ohio State front, you have obviously are aware of what happened with the coaching staff. Only Larry Johnson back on the defensive side. I think everyone agrees that that was for the best. No doubt about it. And as we've gotten to know and talk to Jim Knowles, who's new defensive coordinator, Tim Walton, uh, Perry Eliano, I think Ryan Day's made some home run hires. I really do. I really like what Jim Knowles has brought. He's just so different than really any other football coach. And I've talked to a lot of them at different levels. It's He's just he's just different. He's an Ivy League grad he was a guy who was working on Wall Street. If, if you've read his stories, and decided you know he missed football and, and wanted to get back into it when he was young, and you know cut his pay significantly to to get into coaching, and has worked his way to the top of the the defensive coaching. and was even a head coach for a little bit. So Ryan Day found his head coach the defense, Tim Walton, former Buckeye cornerback, played at Ohio State in the early '90s, had some success as an NFL coach. I know everyone knows the the quote from. Uh, from uh, Jalen Ramsey who obviously just won the Super Bowl with, with my LA Rams and about how that's the, you know, the best coach he's been around. I think that's a pretty ringing endorsement for a guy coming in to Ohio state to kind of help rebuild this secondary that hasn't been great the last few years. And, and then you add in Perry Eliano, who worked magic at Cincinnati working alongside Luke fickle last year, that defense had two all Americans in the secondary. They got to the college football playoff, the first group of five team to do so. So, Brian Dace so far on paper hit it out of the park. And, and we'll get to more on the defense, but I don't think we've talked enough about Justin Fry. And I'm going to start there when we're talking offense. And the the thing that I think he will add the most, aside from kind of taking some new ideas from Greg Studrawa, is that the that he wasn't just a offensive line coach working under Chip Kelly. He was uh, you know an offensive coordinator. He's a run game coordinator at Ohio State. So he's going to add more than just your typical offensive line coach. And you're going to see, I think, just some more creative things for the way Ohio State does things in the run game. I think that this is really going to help the Buckeyes. You look last year, we all know it, those short yardage situations where the the, the running backs, Travion Henderson, um, really the offensive line didn't get pushed, but the, the running backs really struggled to kind of get things going in those short yardage situations. You saw big plays from time to time, but I think, you know, having another year of experience, having a different looking offensive line, and we'll talk about uh, one offensive lineman who I think is going to be really important to that in a minute, but I really like the hire of Justin Fry. And I don't think he's gotten enough talk this off season and, and, you know, include me in that. I write about the Buckeyes and and I've only written about him once or twice. So I think that that's going to be something that, that by the end of the season, people are like, you know, maybe that hire was just as important as the hire on the defensive side of the ball, the, the three coaches that came in. Um, we'll see. Uh, that's just my opinion. I like talking to Justin Fry. I think he's he's a really smart guy as well. But but I think he adds a lot to, to kind of the creativity that they may have in the run game, in addition to just the uh, offensive line and and kind of how they're going to block and, and, you know, just the the fundamentals of offensive line football. Now we know this offense is great, right? We saw it last year. We expect them to pick up right where they left off. I think that there's no reason to think that CJ Stroud and the rest of this group is going to, to regress, right? They did lose Chris Olave. They did lose Garrett Wilson. They did lose Jeremy Rucker, but They are loaded at wide receiver. They have a tight end room with four guys who I think are very talented. And Cade Stover is a guy that I'm going to touch on in a minute. I think the one thing that that you have to see is you have to see growth from this group. CJ Stroud can't be stagnant and just be the same player he was last year. Defenses know about him. They've got film. They're going to be ready for him. Week one, Notre Dame, for, for instance. Jackson Smith and Jigba, same thing. He doesn't have two guys outside of him that are going to demand the attention that Garrett Wilson and Jack or and uh, Chris Olave did last year. So it's on them to, it was on them, I should say to, to raise the level of their game. Same with Travion Henderson, really same with everybody, but those guys in particular, and that's where the offense will rise, take its next step. And I've been really pleased with what we've seen when we were out at the recruiting camps throughout the summer. um, There would be times when a number of the, the receivers would be out there with, with some of the quarterbacks and, and it was kind of a mixed match group. They'd be on one end of the indoor field that wasn't being used, working on running routes, working on timing, things like that. And that's just the, the, you know, the few hours out of the whole summer that we were there this, this summer for those recruiting camps, those guys have put in the work. And I think that's really good to see. You know, I, I, I'd let you know, if I thought that CJ Stroud was, was relaxing this summer or Jackson was relaxing that that hasn't happened. These guys are driven. And I think, honestly, as good as they were last year, they know it wasn't good enough. The Buckeyes didn't win the Big Ten. The Buckeyes didn't win the national championship. They didn't make the college football play. They didn't make the Big Ten championship game. As good as that offense was, and, and I've argued with, that you know it wasn't the offense's fault that they lost either of those games to Oregon or Michigan. They put up big numbers, but... You did see a drop-off from from you know their points per game in both of those games. I think they scored 28 and 27, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, um, in, in Oregon against Oregon and against Michigan. Obviously the defense is is what let the team down ultimately in those games. But for the number one offense in the country, you want consistency. And, and I think they realize that if they're even better, then that takes some pressure off of the defense having to be that much better. And, you know, that that offense can can push this team to success. And again, we'll get to the defense in a few minutes. But um, I think that, that, that you'll see another level from C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Trevion Henderson, I expect to jump from from his freshman year to his sophomore year. You see that with a lot of guys. That's a guy who didn't play as a fresh or as a senior in high school because of COVID stuff. He he is uh, he is a guy I'm really excited about, and, and as I mentioned with Justin Fry, I think he can take a leap with this running game. Uh, so you know th- those are kind of the, the known commodities, right? The, the guys that have to take that next step. Yeah, and, and uh, DG day drinking, cheers to that. Have another sip of a, a sip of our drink here as as we go through this Bucknuts Happy Hour. What I want to talk about is is the guys that have. Maybe not stepped up yet that we think can. And if you guys have people that you are excited about on the offensive side of the ball that maybe haven't had a chance to make their impact, let us know. Uh, put it in the comment section here. I'm, I'm curious for your guys' thoughts as well. But I have a couple in mind, and and they're not sexy names necessarily. You know, you know Marvin Harrison, you know Mecka Buka, you know those guys. Um, you expect them to to jump out there and 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 be big time players for the Buckeyes. But one that uh, is big for me. Cade Stover. I'm really excited about Cade Stover. He's not going to catch 30 passes and you know have a have a, a career year in terms of what Ohio State tight ends have done lately, just because Buckeyes have too many weapons. But I think he's really become that all around tight end that the Buckeyes need, and you've seen it when when this offense can put out that one tight end that can do a little bit of everything. I think that there is uh, they're just better. I mean, the, the stats prove that. And Ryan Day loves to run out that tight end, whether he catches the ball or not. And we've seen Jeremy Rucker. We saw Luke Farrell make big catches, but they're blocking their ability to to pull defenders away when they're running routes. I think that's huge. Obviously, Cade Stover has been in the program now. This is his fourth year. So he's he's adjusted to tight end. Did have that brief cameo back on defense last year. I think it's frankly awesome that he's willing to on a moment's notice basically jump over and play linebacker again for this team just shows hopes how much he loves this team and is willing to do whatever to win. And he's worked hard. I talked to him a couple times over the summer and, you know, he said that this was not only his best summer at Ohio state, but the best summer he's had as a team. He's seen as a team at Ohio state. So he's a guy that I'm excited about that could take a leap. And, you know, I think they're going to do a lot of different things with the tight ends. I think you'll see the, group behind him joe royer mitch rossi g scott jr um all get in games all have roles but i think cade stover's the you know he's a captain he's a leader of this group he's a leader of the team i think he's a guy who who we could talk about for, for a while without even mentioning what he's going to do statistically uh dg with another one mayan williams that's a guy who, who i was going to discuss as well i think if you're going to have Travion Henderson out there and and maybe he doesn't get banged up as much as we saw last year, there were a number of games where he didn't play in the second half. Now the Buckeyes were up comfortably, but I think Mayan Williams is going to have an interesting role. And unfortunately, Evan Pryor, the, the redshirt freshman running back in knee injury is going to miss the season, which I think means there's going to be even a little bit more on Mayan Williams. And obviously those are two very different players. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams are different players, but looking across you know, the, the years with Ohio state having a good running back as your number two has been important for this team. I mean, even JK Dobbins year where he uh, rushed for 2000 yards, you you still needed master Teague at times. I mean, look at that Clemson game. Obviously the Buckeyes unfortunately lost that one. And, and I know that's still a controversy for some people, but you look at what master Teague had to do stepping in at times for, for JK Dobbins, you just never know. And like I said, Travion Henderson missed a few games or a few, few halves last year or, or, quarters if you will with with some not severe injuries but he kind of slipped up had interviews this spring and and mentioned you know playing with a concussion and things like that if you have a myan williams that you trust that's huge and i also think going back to what i said with justin fry the short yardage stuff myan williams is your guy i wrote about it i think last week he is more than willing to be that short yardage third down back and uh you know just pick up those dirty yards and i think you're going to see him in other roles than that but i think he is a guy who who could really make a difference in those situations. He's reshaped his body this off season. He looks different. You know, I think you'll, maybe you won't notice it when he's in pads and everything, but when we've talked to him a couple times this off season, even from spring, when we talked to him two weeks ago or whatever it was, he's been, he's been great. Uh, physically, he looks physically different. And I think that's going to make a difference. I think the weight is where you want it to be now after a couple of years within the program, um, going beyond that, another guy on the offensive line, and I see a few people here have mentioned the offensive linemen. Uh, the big one for me is Matthew Jones. And I know Donovan Jackson stepping in at guard is going to be interesting, but Matthew Jones has waited his time. He's been in the program for a long time now. He has been kind of a utility man on this offensive line, right? And if, if you watched him last year, it almost worked better when he came in as a guard, as opposed to having all those tackles across the offensive line. Now they wanted to keep guys happy. They said they wanted to have the, the best five on the field. I would argue that the best five isn't always the most talented five, but you know, I, I wasn't going to argue with Greg to and Ryan day about that, but I think this line makes a lot more sense. And I think Matthew Jones is a big reason why veteran guy. He's played a good amount of football for a guy who's starting for the first time. And I think he's motivated. We've we've he's he's not a guy who talks a lot, but I just get the sense when we did talk to him that you know he realizes this is his time, and he's got one year. He's got one year to prove that he's you know not only a, a very good offensive lineman for Ohio State, but I assume he has dreams of the NFL like all of these guys do. You go out there and you put together uh, all Big Ten, maybe a you know push for an All American spot. How huge would that be for the Buckeyes to have that in a first year starting guard? Um, And obviously, you know, like I said, you've got Donovan Jackson, a young guy on the other side, great role model to look up to. And Matthew Jones, I think that could be a difference maker in this offensive line. We saw at times in practice where they're pulling guards and and doing plays to the outside. So, you know, if Matthew Jones is is able to do some of that stuff that maybe the tackles weren't as good at doing last year, the tackles that were playing guards, I mean, and and Thayer Munford and and Paris Johnson, I think that's going to be huge for the Buckeyes. So those are my three that have stood out to me. Um, in terms of guys that just haven't gotten the talk. Like I said, Marvin Harrison Jr., we talked to him on uh, on Wednesday. Guy's a freak, a mekibuka, a freak. Um, I'm writing a story right now. I know someone mentioned it in the comments right now or earlier that, uh, you know, him on kick returns. I'm writing a story just about that. It'll it'll probably be out this evening. Uh, but yeah, here it is from DG again. Man, you, you've been a, a prime commenter. Mecca He's definitely doing kickoffs. I don't know if we'll see him on punt returns just because of, of kind of how they set that all up, but kick returns, he kind of owned that position. Uh, when we talked to him on Wednesday, he said that, that, you know, can the, the, he can learn things about being a receiver from being a kick return guy. And, you know, I think he's going to have a big role in the offense too. I just think, I know because Brian Hartline said, said it, they have six guys that they trust to play. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, Mekka Buka, Julian Fleming, Jaden Ballard and Xavier Johnson and Xavier Johnson revealed to us on Wednesday that he was actually put on scholarship, former walk on put on scholarship last year before the Oregon game, but didn't want to make a big deal about it. Ohio state never announced it. Ryan day was actually asked. I think Dave Biddle asked him earlier this week about the, uh, the, the uh, scholarship numbers. And it was, it was clear that he didn't want to talk about it. So we learned from Xavier Johnson, congrats to him, but those are six guys. When you have six guys, you know you're typically going to line up three wide receivers at a time there may be times when guys are the the odd man out if Mecicbuka can can make the special teams game part of his uh you know his his book uh of his young story here at ohio state i think that's something that could be huge for the buckeyes and uh you know you don't need him always to be an elite wide receiver at this point, though I think he will be. I think he's going to be a big part of the offense as well. But I do think special teams at least kick return. We'll see about punt return. Um, they've had a number of guys kind of working at that position when we've been out at practice. DG, sorry to hear that. He says he's stuck at home with COVID. So uh, hopefully you're feeling all right. Hopefully you get healthy soon. Um, the, the, the offense, as I said, I think is going to be – on a different level this year. And, and we saw it last year. We saw it when, um, you know, the, the, Buckeyes were at their best, but the, the big question, and I think everyone's kind of curious about this is what the defense is going to look like. And I've been asked when I've done some radio shows, um, things like that about the defensive side of the ball and, and, you know, just kind of my expectations. I don't know until they get out there and play. I'm, I'm kind of the wait and see type of guy. I, I, I have to see it on the field. What we've seen from when we've been out at practice has looked really good, and I'm really encouraged by what we've seen, what we've heard from the guys. you know, Jim Knowles talking about how he's got 75% of the defense put in I thought was really interesting. They're ahead of schedule there. They're ahead of schedule with what he got, not surprisingly, but when he was at Oklahoma State a different level of athlete, a different level of player. So it's not surprising that he's gotten more put in in his first year, but I think you're, you're seeing that guys have taken what Jim Knowles is teaching them and kind of uh, just embraced it. And they, they want to be better. They, they absolutely want to be better. And you know, the, the, the proof will be in the pudding there. Uh, nice comment here. Patrick, please tell us you want to abandon college football in November, instead travel to Qatar for the World Cup. I will not be going to Qatar. I will be watching a lot of the World Cup, but uh, nothing will change in terms of my coverage of uh, of the Buckeyes. We'll, we'll be keeping it up. It's 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 Michigan week, the first week of the World Cup. I'm going to be as busy as I am all season. So, no, I will not do that. Um, no, we'll, we'll be good. Don't worry about that. Yeah, we're asked here. DG says two linebacker looks safety heavy. Correct. That's exactly what it's going to be. And I, and I was just going to touch on that because it's going to be different. It's, it's not a completely revolutionary style of defense that Jim Knowles wants to run, but it is different than what we've seen from the Buckeyes in the past. And here's what we know. You've got your four offensive linemen. There'll be one defensive end. That's that hybrid Jack Leo position. We expect that to be Jack Sawyer, but some other guys are in the mix. At linebacker, the the true linebackers when they go with their base defense are assuming assuming health. Steel Chambers, Tommy Ikenberg, and those names. I've I've talked to buddies of mine, you know, other people that have have said to me, well, those guys didn't look great last year. I agree. I think that Steel Chambers came on as he kind of learned the position, and you know, remember he was a running back at the beginning of of last off season. so he was he was relearning the position and kind of figuring out how to go about it. I think that he's now got a year under his belt. He understands it. He's working directly with Jim Knowles, which is also the case with Tommy Eichenberg. and Tommy Eichenberg, I feel like has gotten a bad rep. You know, you've, you've, he's kind of been labeled that slow white linebacker. And, you know, I'm I, I don't want to talk race here, but we've seen a few of those at Ohio state that just haven't been able to keep up when they're on the elite level. I think of, you know, Tough Borland, who was unfairly matched up and with receivers in in that Alabama national championship game, I saw that going around the other day for some reason. Uh, but I think Tommy Eichenberg is a guy who is—he's a football guy, and he he doesn't want to—he hates doing the media stuff. He hates talking to us. He wants to do football. And I think that a guy like that looks at his tape, figures out what he did wrong in his first year as a starter, and takes the next step. Now, again. All of this is with the caveat that we've got to see it in just over a week against Notre Dame. But I like the fact that Jim Knowles is coaching these linebackers and there's Depp, Diamante chip train them. coming over, um, you know, CJ Hicks. I know someone asked about him guy looks like a freak out there. I think he's a guy who can be a part of this defense, maybe not right away, because there is quite a bit of depth, but he's certainly going to factor in somewhere. Um, you know, maybe maybe special teams initially, but you know that's that's a star of the future. There's a lot of guys in this linebacker room. So you know, if, if it's not working, if they have to rotate guys, to Roger Mitchell, another guy who, uh, who who can certainly play. We saw him some last year. He's a fifth year senior, I believe. So plenty of guys there. We move on to the secondary. It's going to be interesting with cornerback. Beyond the starters and Denzel Burke and Cam Brown, if he's healthy, what they do depth-wise. We heard it already this fall camp with with some guys getting banged up, I think, based on what Ryan Day said and, and the guys that we've seen. Now, we haven't actually watched any of practice for a little over a week now. They kind of shut it down, but we have been there after practice for interviews. We see them walking off the field. Jordan Hancock, who may still be a bit questionable, headed into Notre Dame looked good to me. I I said to another reporter yesterday as we were walking off or they were walking off the field. I thought that Jordan Hancock kind of looked like, you know, he was bouncing a little bit as he walked a little bit of a a jump, a little bump in his step, so to speak. That's good news to me. I think that looks like a guy who's getting healthy. Uh, Dave Biddle actually. And and if you watch the BM five or listen to the BM five, he mentioned this, I believe on there that he walked in one day um, as, as we went to watch practice with, Jordan Hancock and Jordan Hancock said, "I'll be fine." And so, you know, not that he's going to tell Dave if if he's hurt, but you know, just the way he said it, Dave Dave thought it was pretty confident. And uh, you know, so so you've got those guys at corner. Um, J.K. Johnson, another guy, Jair Brown, a freshman who lost his black stripe. So you've got some depth there, not as much as you'd like. Cameron Martinez has taken some reps at corner as well. He's a versatile guy who was at safety. I think will still prominently be at safety but could play corner if they need him to. He's, he's done some coverage stuff in the past, and he's just an athletic freak, let's be honest. And then the safeties, safety-driven defense. That's what Jim Knowles has said. And you've got your what we believe are going to be the starters. Ronnie Hickman at the adjuster, that's your free safety. That's the back end of your defense. They call it the adjuster because he's the guy who's adjusting the defense after they get on the field. The bandit is kind of your strong safety. That's going to be, we believe, Josh Proctor. Court Williams is certainly making a lot of noise for a guy who may not start right away. I really like Court Williams, but I really like Josh Proctor. I think that both of those guys, if, if you need different situations, you can see him in there. And then you've got the nickel where uh, Tanner McAllister, who transferred over from Oklahoma State and uh, you know has, has kind of been a, a coach on the field for these guys, knows Jim Knowles in and out. And you can tell why those two get along. If you've watched Tanner McAllister, we had a video with him earlier, I think last week, um, you can tell that why those guys get along, just smart guys who like football. And so those will be your starters. Lathan Ransom, I wrote about him coming back from the broken leg has really impressed in fall camp. He'll be a guy in the mix at that nickel spot, Cameron Martinez as well. So, you know, that, that's kind of the defense as We see it now, now things are going to change some when Ohio state plays some of those uh, you know, Power eye traditional sets this year, and you're going to see it. You got Wisconsin, you got Iowa on the schedule. There, those those are going to be times when you can't just line up with three safeties out there necessarily, three traditional kind of safeties, a nickel, and you know hope for the best. You're certainly going to have to, you know, have some some guys who make tackles, and that's where Court Williams could come into play. They could play with a third linebacker. Jim Knowles has talked about what Court Williams can uh, can can do. In terms of uh, being that versatile guy, I think Lathan Ransom is another guy who can be there. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting when they get into games like that and kind of how uh, how Jim Knowles adjusts because the Big 12, if you if you've watched Big 12 football, it's a lot of spread offenses and that's what this defense is uh, ready to ready to um, defend. So it, they're going to have to adjust, and Jim Knowles has talked about it. You know, he said he wants to keep things. He even said he wants to keep things in the back of his mind that maybe even the rest of his coaches don't know that he can bring out when they need it against certain teams. You don't necessarily want to be installing things week of game, but he's got some some tweaks to that defense that I think will be interesting to watch throughout the season. DG again, will Sonny Styles see the field? I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I think that he is a kid with a lot of talent. He's super athletic. When we got to watch all of practice, the the day that Big Ten Network was out there, excuse me, I, I was almost forgetting it was Happy Hour. Um, when when we got to watch that practice, Sonny Styles worked with the third team defense. He was uh, playing that that adjuster safety. There's been a lot of talk about could he end up playing linebacker for the Buckeyes. When I watched him play in high school, he was just so much more athletic than everybody else out there that it was hard to really get. Um, a read on where he's best fit and I only saw him a couple times to be completely honest but you know I, I mean he certainly fits in on this defense he's he's going to be something on this defense so where and when I think are the big questions just as I mentioned they've got quite a bit of, of depth at this at the safeties position and quite a bit of depth at the linebacker position right now but I think that he is a guy who they're going to work hard to develop and, and find a spot for him. And I know it's a, a weird comparison, but the guy that I've used is Sam Hubbard. Remember, Sam Hubbard came in as a safety, sort of a linebacker. He was a lacrosse player who they, Urban, you know, the story, I'm sure Urban Meyer saw him playing dodgeball and, and just loved the athleticism. Sonny Styles is different. Sonny Styles is a football player, no doubt about it, did play basketball, I think won a state championship last year, but he he's just a guy that athletically i think he could probably put anywhere on the field um you know if you you get him the right weight and, and and let him learn a little bit and he could he could be you know he could do well there and i think the same was true with with a guy like sam hubbard back in the day obviously he's gone on to to do some pretty good things in the nfl uh shout out to the Bengals there so I, I, I we'll, we'll see on Sam or we'll see on uh, sunny styles, but I think right now, you know, they've got a lot of veterans back and that's another thing I wanted to touch on with this defense last year. If you think about the Minnesota game last year and how many guys they played that were first time starters, guys, some playing their first time on D. I mean, Denzel Burke, as good as he ended up being, the fact that he started that game as a true freshman is the number one corner. I remember sitting there in the press box at at or at, uh, Minnesota stadium and, and being like, well, this could be interesting. Well, you know, you've got a, a true freshman now out there at corner. He turned out to be good, but a lot of those guys, some of those mistakes were, were guys just not having done it before. And now Ryan day has, has said it quite a bit that, uh, that they, they are an experienced defense guys have made these mistakes and, they, they understand how to play big time college football defense. And I, you know, I know maybe that doesn't sound as good um, to some people, but I think it's a really, really important thing. Um, you know, I think you look at what the top defenses in the country do, the Georgias, the Alabamas, uh, those type of things. Those guys are almost always an experienced defense. And just with the way things went for Ohio State last year was not an experienced group. And so because of that, guys like Sonny Styles, guys like C.J. Hicks may not get on the field right away just because they have so much talent coming back. But that talent's going to leave. You know, a lot of these guys can leave after this year or will have to leave after this year. And so, you know, if they can get snaps and and get get to understanding this defense, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be, uh, you know, a good building block for some of these young guys, even if they're not immediate stars on this on this defense. And then the last thing I want to touch on on the defense, and I think this could be the most important thing for this defense this year, is the defensive line. When Jim Knowles talked to us for the first time this spring, the, the thing he brought up was how impressed he was with what the defensive line was doing. And, and obviously Larry Johnson has done great work with the defensive line at Ohio State, Penn State in the past. And I think that, that this group is coming together really nicely. If you If you're Jim Knowles, and you're coming out and, and the first thing you address is not your position group or or not even the new coaches position groups. I think that speaks volumes. I think there's depth at all of the positions across the defensive line. I think that there's talent for sure. I mean, you look at a guy like Zach Harrison, who was a five star kid and maybe hasn't lived up to the billing. I wrote about this the other day, um, hasn't lived up to the bill, billing entirely as that you know elite defensive end and the numbers maybe aren't where you want them to be, but guy still gets pressures. The guy does a lot of good things. And that's a guy who people aren't even talking about. I mean, he's being overshadowed by JT 2 and allow Jack Sawyer, the two sophomores who I think are going to have great seasons. And then you've got Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyler Friday coming back from an injury. He was voted captain um, in the middle Teron Vincent, Jaron cage. The, there's a number of guys in there. Tyleek Williams that, that had a good freshman year, uh, you know, uh, there's just a number of guys I'd have to look at the list here. I think that that defensive line, if you could get pressure at a better rate than you did a year ago, and if you could get, um, you know, get to the quarterback, the stopping the run has to be better. That takes a lot of pressure off of that back seven and and makes their job a lot easier. And I think it's a positive sign that Jim Knowles quickly pointed to that group as being, you know, an elite group so far in practice. Again, It'll, it'll need to be shown week one against Notre Dame and, and throughout the course of the season, but I like that a lot. And, and the last thing I want to touch on before we get into kind of the schedule and, and what Dave kind of projected as the the toughest opponents for the Buckeyes or ranked the toughest opponents for the Buckeyes is just where this defense needs to be. And I know Dave's talked about it. I've been on the BM5 before talking about it a little bit, but I wrote a story uh, over the summer that this defense – it would be great. And and you guys tell me what you think about where this defense will be this year in, in terms of ranks and, and things like that. But if if this defense is top 30, you know, last year, they barely made it inside the top 60 in terms of total defense yardage wise. If, uh, if this defense, cheers, Sarge, if this defense, um, can be top 30, I think that that, with what the offense is expected to do, I think you're in a good spot. I think you can be the Big Ten champion pretty easily, frankly. I think you can get to the college football playoff. And I think, you know, if this defense ranks top 30 at the end of the year, that means that they could have been struggling a little bit early on, you know, figuring it out as, as the season goes. It doesn't have to be top 30 week one against Notre Dame. Maybe it will be, uh, you know, that would be great. I think everyone would be excited to see this defense go out and really make a statement against Notre Dame. But you know, this defense is going to get better throughout the course of the season. And I think if you rank roughly around the top 30 and you get into the college football playoff and you have this offense, we'll see what other teams do. We'll see what Georgia looks like. We'll see what Alabama looks like. We'll see what all these teams look like, but my money's on the Buckeyes if if this defense is top 30. Now, if you can take it another step further if you can go top 20, top 15, if Jim Knowles can really work some magic and and these guys are, are so bought in and, and the talent really comes out and, and everything clicks, you know. I mean, you're you're talking about a, a team that has the elite level offense that LSU had a few years ago with Joe Burrow and those guys. And now you're talking about defense. And, and they were about a top 30 defense. And now you're you're talking about a defense that is top 15. Woo! I think the Buckeyes are, I mean. I don't know how I don't know what you do, because if you can't slow them down and teams, even the teams that that beat the Buckeyes struggled to do that at times. And then the Buckeyes are getting stops on a regular basis and not just enough stops. Then, you know, this this team certainly is a a national championship level team in my mind. And I think they are anyway. Um, I I certainly think they are. DG, uh, you asked what what beer I'm drinking. This is a Bell's too hearted. It was what was in the fridge today. I'm a big Bell's fan. So uh, shout out to them. Maybe, maybe if this show goes well enough, uh, people, will, you know, we'll, we'll get some sponsorships for uh, some of these beers that, that we drink. Um, and if you're having a beer, I know it's a little early, like I said, to start, but uh, let us know. We'll usually do this a little later in the day. So, uh, yeah, it won't always be, uh, you know, 3.30 Eastern time when we record. So we touched on defense, um, hit on a couple questions here that, that people have asked. Time for the Wisconsin game. I'm going to guess – yeah, that could be a big noon game. I guess I would guess that's certainly an afternoon game. I don't think they're going to have three out of their first four games as primetime night games. Also, you know, I, I don't, I mean, Wisconsin will be, you know, Wisconsin at that point will probably still be a, a top 25 team, but I don't see it being like a the marquee game of the week If I state. And Wisconsin played early or later in the year. Certainly could be, I think that there are, uh, Probably five off the top of my head. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan six. So you could have half your schedule potentially be against ranked teams. I know Penn State's not ranked right now. Um, I don't think Iowa is. But I think you could uh, you could potentially, by the time you play those teams, play play those. So I think there will be a number of times. Obviously, the big noon kickoff changes things in terms of when the games are. And stuff like that but uh yeah I would guess Wisconsin is either noon or three thirty just just you know a hunch on my part I don't I don't know anything for sure. Um JK in the boxer on the field. Which JK who are we talking about there? Um uh, you talk about Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles I believe is a field coach uh from what from what uh, he said in the past if I remember that correctly so I think he'll be down on the field. I think he, he likes the feel of that. I could be wrong. I think that that's what he told us earlier this offseason. Um, it, it was a press conference, that, or it was an interview session where I was with someone else, so that was told to me secondhand. Um, I want to dive into one of Dave's stories that he posted this week on uh, Ohio State's 2022 opponents. Um, if you haven't looked at this, I'll break it down real quick. So Dave went from, from the easiest to the toughest, He had Arkansas State, Toledo, Rutgers, at Northwestern, Indiana, at Maryland, Iowa, at Michigan State, Wisconsin, at Penn State. Home game against Notre Dame, home game against Michigan as his order. Feel free to jump on and kind of look at that as we talk here. But we we were discussing this as Dave was working on it. I think it's going to be interesting at the bottom end, you know, kind of the the easier end of the schedule, so to speak. These two non-conference games... That aren't the Notre Dame game are going to be interesting. Now the Buckeyes should should win. Let's let's not make any mistake about it. But Toledo's one of the teams that's favored in the MAC. This isn't just a, a team that's going to come into the shoe and roll over. I don't think they've got some talent on that team. Uh, I think Steve said to Dave when we were discussing it. You know, he may put Toledo ahead of Rutgers or Northwestern. I don't know about Northwestern. I think Northwestern could be interesting this year. But Toledo's a team that you know it could be a game where you just feel a little uncomfortable in the first half. And, and, you know, they're doing some things. Arkansas State, I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked a ton into what Arkansas State uh, has. What I do know they have, interestingly enough, is is Brian Sneed, the running back that went to Ohio State, had some issues off the field, and, uh, you know, ended up transferring. Uh, I think he was up at, at a community college in Iowa and, and now is at Arkansas State. That's a guy who, A, very talented, he was a guy that the Buckeyes liked a lot in terms of what he could do on the field. And B, I imagine, given that he is no longer on this roster and, and could have been a factor, I think that uh, I think that that's a game where he's going to be pretty motivated. I would imagine so. Now, you know, the, obviously he doesn't have the the offensive line around him or or anything like that that he would have at Ohio State. But you know, he was a highly recruited kid. Um, you know, it, it'll just be interesting to see how the Buckeyes control uh that game and 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 that type of player coming back to the horseshoe. But I think Dave's more or less got it right. Generally these these non-conference, non-power five teams usually are the easier games of the year. Um, you know, Rutgers, some years you could you might as well label them as as one of those. I do like what Greg shiano's done uh at, at Rutgers, second time there. Um I was always a big Greg Ciano fan. I liked what he did at Ohio State. I think he's a really bright football coach. Um, So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they fit at Northwestern. Look, every couple of years, almost exactly, Northwestern has a season where whether it's they're better than expected or other teams in the Big Ten West just don't live up to their expectations, uh, Northwestern's in the Big Ten Championship game. It just seems to happen every couple of years. And as you probably know, Northwestern did not make the Big Ten championship game two year, or last year. Did two years ago. So you know, just based on that alone, that's not even any real analysis here. That's just looking at history, and and obviously that has nothing to do with what's going to happen this year. But it wouldn't surprise me if Northwestern is is a decent team. That's a game at Northwestern. You always talk about the grass there and the length. Uh, curious to see what time of day that is. It would not surprise me if that's a game that. Is a primetime game there? Obviously for Northwestern, they can uh, they can they can sell that one out with the Buckeyes coming to town. You expect the Buckeyes to be you know top two in the country still at that point, assuming they, they get over the hump of, of Notre Dame early in the year. Um, Dave had Indiana at number eight, Indiana at home. Tom Allen I thought had something cooking a couple of years ago, 2020 when he came in to the the horseshoe and, and almost beat. Ohio state and and they just haven't been able to sustain it. And that's kind of the problem with some of the big 10 teams outside of, of the big boys is you can have that one or two years, but, but getting the recruiting really going and and staying with the top guys uh, I think is always tough. So I like Tom Allen as a coach. I know that they've lost some people from the Hoosier roster. So it'll be interesting there that game's at home. They've put at Maryland at number seven, obviously they've, they've got some talent offensively and Mike's Mike Loxley is a coach who worked under Nick Saban. It hasn't gone as quickly as I think a lot of people in Maryland thought it might, but there's definitely talent there. And, you know, we've seen it not that long ago, Dwayne Haskins had to lead that uh, ridiculous game in overtime where uh, you know, they, they went back and forth. It seemed the whole game to, to get a win there. So I don't buy that, that Maryland's going to be that good. I may have even put Indiana above Maryland just because I think it's a a slightly more talented team, but I think those two are are close. Iowa was, was Dave's number six team. As we go through this list, look, this is going to be an interesting one for me. I think that, uh, I think that the conversation will be that week about Ohio state losing at Iowa. What was it? 2017. Now, These guys weren't a part of that. Most of the coaching staff is gone. Um, But there are a few guys from Iowa that were on the team. I think there are still a couple guys at Ohio state that were on that team, but that's the last time these two teams played. I don't think that that's really a a great narrative, but I've already seen it come up. I did a podcast earlier this off season with a a guy who who covers Iowa and, and he asked me a lot about that game. And so I think that will be a narrative when it comes there. I don't think it's a factor for that game at all, but I do think that, you know, Iowa is a team. I talked about it earlier in terms of Jim Knowles' defense. You know, they're going to line up in, in the power eye formations a lot. They're going to try and grind out games. Um, you know, it's it's certainly going to be a test for the Buckeyes. Now, fortunately, they'll face Wisconsin already, so they'll have some of that to kind of look back on. But, you know, th- those are not the the spread offenses that you're going to see most of the season, and, and so it is a little different. It's not quite as, as drastic as going against uh, – a navy or somebody like that but it is a little different especially in this Jim Knowles defense moving through dave's list here michigan state at number five yeah probably you're going to michigan state but as dave pointed out to me and i think he mentioned it in here ohio state hasn't lost at michigan state since 1999 when nick saban was their head coach um so the buckeyes have done well obviously up in east lansing Mel Tucker has is, is built back a team that was pretty good last year. Still probably not what Mark D'Antonio had it, at his highest peak, uh, but you know, certainly a, a solid opponent. And the top four, I think Dave's got it spot on here. he has got Wisconsin at Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Look, you can debate those four, but Wisconsin's a, a top 25 team. You have to go at Penn State, and then obviously Notre Dame and Michigan – you know, we'll see what Michigan ends up looking like. It's going to be a pretty soft schedule for the Wolverines. So we may not even know how good that team is actually until they get to the horseshoe at the end of the season. But you know, the the Buckeyes are going to be fired up for that one. I think we know how, uh, how motivated this team is to get back one on Michigan after last year, you're going into Ohio stadium. It could be two undefeated teams, honestly. I mean, you there's there's the potential, obviously, of any time for someone to slip up, but with with Michigan's schedule, it would not surprise me. And, and honestly, you know, I'm picking Ohio State to go undefeated this year. Um, and that Notre Dame game, Dave has it number two. Certainly, an interesting one to open the season. I think any time you you open a season with a marquee opponent, you're you haven't had that that week or two to kind of test yourself other than practice. Certainly makes things interesting. I think I was asked about this recently. Obviously, Ohio State's fired up for this, but Notre Dame's, uh, I think it's a 15 and a half point underdog. If you're a top five team and you know the, these early season rankings don't mean a ton, but I'm sure that Marcus Freeman is using that as bulletin board material. I'm sure that, that he's going to have the guys buying into the worthy underdogs and, and things like that. Um, I still think that Ohio State is, is too talented for Notre Dame and and the the atmosphere at the shoe will be overwhelming and, and whatnot. But um, you know, I I do think it'll be interesting to see kind of how he, how Marcus Freeman, obviously they, they've got James Laurinaitis on that staff too. I think that those guys are going to want to make a statement um, and, and, you know, come into Ohio stadium and at least hang with the Buckeyes. Right. I mean, that, that's going to be big for Notre Dame. From the Ohio state perspective, you've got to start this season on the right foot. And, And obviously, 2014 Ohio state lost week two to Virginia tech and, and still won the national championship. But this team is too good to start this season. 0 and one, they just, just are. Um, if the defense is, is any better, like I talked about earlier, it's, it's, it's gotta be week one. you got to go out and do it. You're a primetime game. Everyone's going to be watching that game. It's two ridiculously big brands in, in Ohio state and Notre Dame go out and make your mark. And, and, you know, we're not going to talk about recruiting a ton on this show because it's not a ton of what I do, though Bill Kerlick would like me to do more of it. Uh, but this is going to be a huge game for recruiting. You've seen, if you pay attention to the recruiting rankings, where Notre Dame is, they, they've had a really good offseason for this 2023 class. Ohio State's lost a couple guys, whether you know from, from flipping or guys that went elsewhere. There's going to be a lot of guys on campus for that game, a lot of guys in that stadium you want to put on a show and especially defensively. And I talked about it earlier. I think this defense is going to get better and better each week. And, you know, the, the recruits out there are going to see what this defense is all about. And I think that will certainly help defensive recruiting. But if, if you are Ohio state and you can go out with all those eyes on you, both in the stadium and outside, but mostly those guys on campus, those recruits on campus. And, it, you know, if you're a Bucknuts VIP member, uh, jump on our front row page, Dave, or uh, Bill Curlic has a list of, of all the visitors that are expected for that Notre Dame game. You put on a show that night, both offensively and defensively, you, you do something like uh DG score here of 48, 24 with a late score. I think th- that that resonates not only for people this year and what you're going to be in 2022, but with the recruits out there that are watching and, and, you know, considering Ohio state, obviously there's, there's more to it than just one game, but but the guys you're going to have on campus, I think that game is, is just colossal and, and to have it week one and to have it here in Columbus. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you guys are going to be able to get to that game. I've talked to several of my buddies that have been like, Hey, can you get me tickets? No, I can't get you tickets. But uh, I know that that game is, is just going to be off the chain. I'm, I'm so excited for it. I'm sure you guys are too. It's uh, it's, it's going to be a fun one and, and the Buckeyes need to show up. It needs to be, you know, the best performance they can give out of the gates. And I think they know that they've made it very clear at that point uh, or throughout the offseason that, that they know what kind of game that is and uh, what uh, what's on the line there. So, well, we've done it. We've uh, we've gone through, we're, we're just over 50 minutes here. So almost a full happy hour and uh, cheers again to, to those people out there. If you're watching or, or listening later, Look, as I said at the beginning, I want this. Yeah, Shane, you make a good point. LeBron James' son will also uh, it reportedly be on an official visit to to Ohio State for, for that game. So it sounds like he's going to be attending the game with his dad if if that works out. But still, not a bad uh, not a bad kid to uh, have in attendance and and maybe la- land uh, you know a name like that if he ends up if he ends up going to college. But we'll talk basketball down the road. It's almost football season. Look, as I said before, this is new. This is the first time we're doing this. My plan is to do this each week, Thursday or Friday. Some Fridays are going to be tough because of of travel and things like that as as we get in the schedule, so we'll kind of play it by ear. I'd like to have a reporter who covers the other team on to talk about the opponent, and you guys can ask some questions. I'll ask some questions. Um, We'll go through what what happens each week as we go as well, but I want this to be – like a happy hour you'd have with your buddies. I want you know more comments as, as we go. Well, obviously later in the day, I think we'll, we'll be able to get more, but if you're watching live, the, the comment section, I want that to to blow up um, and, and we'll just chat Buckeyes each week. I'll give my thoughts. We can argue some if you guys want. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be something a little different than the BM5, maybe something a little different than some of the other Ohio State podcasts out there because I know there's a ton of them. So look, this is your last weekend before Buckeye football. This is your first weekend of college football, week zero. There's some good games out there this weekend. Um, normally I'm going to have a game for you guys that, that I'll be watching. There's not a ton this week, a couple Big Ten teams playing. So if you want to tune into that. But my advice, enjoy this last weekend before we get going. And uh, certainly we're going to enjoy this football season. I thank everybody who uh, turned it tuned in for this one. First episode of, of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm looking forward to doing this throughout the year. If, if whatever platform you're watching on, like, subscribe, that helps us a lot. If you're not a Bucknuts VIP member, I recommend doing it. You know, Even if you're not a recruiting guy, we try and bring as much, uh, as much interesting information as, as we can give you. So we, all, we always appreciate it. The interactions on the front row are great. So, uh, yeah, join up. This is a great time. The Buckeyes are about to embark on what should be a fantastic season. I think it's going to be fun. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Cheers.